a podcast where we trade ideas on race by way of discussing film. I'm your host, Boston. And I'm Jay. This episode, we'll be discussing Coming to America, directed by Craig Brewer in 2021. Spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Coming to America, consider yourself fortunate. Next episode, we'll be covering Tales from the Hood by Rusty Kandif. You can drop us a line at bostonnj at racetraderpodcast.com. Check the spelling in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe and give us five stars on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. So, for our listeners, you should know that this is the first time we're recording having just seen the movie, uh, trying something new. Boston, what were your thoughts? You know... Typically, our movies are so curated, we typically know based on reviews and our friendship circle and our podcast circle, generally whether or not we're going to like the movie. So people always tell me you're too uptight, you should just go out and try restaurants and movies without researching them. And this movie is exactly why I don't. This movie was a train wreck. If we weren't reviewing it for the podcast, I probably wouldn't have finished it. And I'm glad that we didn't pay money other than our Amazon subscription to see it. Yeah. If the first coming to America was an unopened bag of Tostitos with a nice fresh made salsa that was the context in which the movie came out, coming to America is the bag left open stale as fuck at the bottom of your cupboard and there's no salsa. Mm. And it's COVID and the stores are closed. (laughs) (laughs) This movie was so stale. The few times I laughed, I can note because they were so rare, which I guess was the second time we're in the barbershop. It was pretty funny. The costumes were amazing. It visually looked good, but those things normally don't even contribute to comedy. So it's like... On our first episode when we covered the original, one of my criticisms of it was like, it's kind of a movie that doesn't exactly know what it is. I felt like Coming to America was essentially confused on whether or not it wanted to be a family movie or it wanted to be like a little like lewd comedy. And uh, I mean, this movie, I guess, really went for the family aspect of it to a point, but it's still, it was really bad. It was absolutely, you know, I mean, I, I guess I could keep saying that and, and then it wouldn't do anything. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things I found interesting is Vanessa Bell Calloway recently came out, maybe the last several months, did an interview and said that she was pretty sure that she was not cast as a Lisa McDowell role because of her complexion. I think the movie did a good job of casting darker women in some of the lead roles, Lisa and the young daughter who played, who was actually played by Eddie Murphy's daughter were the only two really light skinned girls in the movie. And this is not to say that if you're not light skinned, you shouldn't be given obviously an acting role. Um, But I do think that there was a fair representation of different complexions across the spectrum. You know, besides that, I do think that, You know, the disappointment largely comes from the fact that they had this movie 33 years 
and the best that they can come up with with this. Like, well, I think that part of the reason that is is because there was never a need to begin with. Like this movie just reiterated the same message it was supposed to have learned in the narrative anyways. And a problem I have with a lot of comedies is that it falls victim to the plot. This movie fails for a lot of reasons, but there was that moment where toward the end, John Amos, you know, his character, he's talking to Akeem in the McDowell's in Zamunda. And the musical cue is playing as if this is a real valuable emotional moment. And it's like, don't you understand you're making a comedy? Like where? And, and Akeem was so, like he was pretty, again, he was tame in Coming to America too. Like Eddie Murphy's performance of the Akeem character was is a reserved character. But wouldn't you give yourself opportunity to riff and let loose and have fun with all of your friends? Like, like it was impressive that they got the entire cast together. That was kind of cool. But man, everyone just seemed like they were entirely phoning it in. And there was like, an insane amount of guests, like to a point where it was so distracting, you know, it entirely took you out of the movie. Trevor Noah, Dikembe Mutombo. I mean, there were just so many guests who were completely unnecessary. I think that this was a Disneyfication of coming to America. I think it played like a Disney sitcom where there would be something profound for a 13-year-old, if you even wanted to go that far. There's something very cartoonish about it, even the makeup and the stunts with the lions. I, there was something very much about this movie that was for children. Even the fact that coming to America, the original one had curse words in it. It didn't really have any curse words in it. The Coming to America, the original, is rated R. This is a different movie. Besides the fact that you had Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Tiana Taylor, you know, you had all these people. What were some of the community performances you did like? You know, I think the barbershop stuff was funny. Arsenio, I think, was overall pretty good. Yeah, he was he his character didn't change much, Shimmy, from the last. I'm just talking about like in general, like Arsenio, I think, in terms of just his presence on film, he felt like he was in it. Yes. Jermaine Fowler was given nothing to work with, but like I think it is soul plane esque. You know, like this movie is soul plane esque. It's something about it. Now, I haven't seen Soul Plane, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's something about it where a black guy from the hood now finds himself in Zamunda, and how is he going to behave? Is it some kind of fresh prince? You know, like, and then yeah. he has to learn courage to fight through and learn about his ancestors. And it's... Yeah, it's just... I'm too young to have understood... Just how fucking big of a celebrity Eddie Murphy was. I haven't seen it in a minute, but I still have a really fond opinion of The Nutty Professor, mm -hmm. which was also PG-13, but knew that it was a comedy and it played to it. It was fast and loose. Like Eddie Murphy was on fire in that movie. If there's any genre of film that I think is suffering the most 
now. I think it's comedy. What's the funniest movie you remember seeing recently? It's current. Oh, my God. I mean... There's plenty of amazing television shows. Insecure has many funny moments. Mm -hmm. But it's not a comedy in that sense. No, Insecure is a drama. With comedic relief. There's a lot of dramedies. Yeah. This isn't even that funny because it got dark. But in the last 10 years, I'd say Louis. Atlanta. Atlanta, which is more dark than... No, these are all dramedies. Dramedies. These blur the lines. Silicon Valley, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I mean, I like Blackish. It's not it's it's not really that funny, but it is it, it does have its moments. Comedy might be one of the most segregated absolutely genres there is. Cuz I'm trying to think of like if I were to name my top 5 comedies. They're all predominantly white, I think, pretty sure. What Hot American Summer, Anchorman, Big Lebowski, Monty Python, it's a holy grail. Like, those are all very white-ass movies. Mm-hmm. And it's a sensibility that, I don't know if it's specifically white. I mean, Insecure, though, does, one of the reasons I mention it is that uh, Issa's character does bring a, in a, like, awkward approach. And a lot of the movies I've mentioned, there's like a white, that white awkward humor. In terms of funniest black movies, for me, it'd have to be, the original Coming to America is up there. Bad Boys, the original Bad Boys, Friday, The Nutty Professor. Friday is really funny. Yeah, like... Rush Hour? Rush Hour would be up there. But but most of those movies you're naming are also, also action comedies. Yes, and I mean... Eddie Murphy even started that, I think, with 48 Hours. There are a lot of black comedies. In most of them, I think, for me, go too far in the... Slapstick? Slapstick, Chuck and Jive. I'm not a big fan of... The Wayans brothers. Exactly. And I feel like they do that a lot. Why do you think that a big part of black comedy is as slapstick as it is? I think about like what it takes. So the thing is, when you have white comedies, when I think about movies that people would generally think is funny, it's not generally a stand-up comedian that's leading that. And I know, for instance, like one of my favorite white comedies is Tropic Thunder. We should cover that. And besides Ben Stiller, for instance. Ben Stiller is a comedic genius. But besides him, like Tom Cruise was hilarious. But typically a black comedy is going to be led by a stand-up comedian. Yeah, Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish. Chris Tucker, even going back to Richard Pryor, Dave Chappelle. Although, but Dave Chappelle, not really. Well, the Chappelle show. The Chappelle show. And he uh, he was appearing in, in the late 90s, early 2000s and stuff like Half-Baked. and He was in Men in Tights. Yep. So you're going to see, you know, white people tend to not need that comedic name. No, that's true. White actors and actresses can straddle both sides of the fence. For instance, um, Jim Carrey can do something like Truman and Eternal Sunshine but still go on and be funny. Whereas it's rare that like, I think I seen Dave Chappelle in A Star Is Born where he was a more serious. Yeah, he was playing a serious role there. He was playing a serious role. The only person that I can think of who didn't do stand up. Morgan Freeman's done some comedic bits. Yeah, but part of his comedic bits is that it's Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Like, you oh, know no, what I mean? Course. And he's playing off that irony. 
you know, that he was in Coming to America and it was ironic. Do you know what I mean? Well, the whole thing, the, that's the other problem with Coming to America is that like it was relying so much on, hey, it's this person. Hey, it's this person. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, why is it that? I don't know. That's a good question. The only person that I know who's not a stand-up comedian but carries comedies pretty consistently is Tyler Perry. Outside of him... And, well, that's true. And he he's a very good dramatic actor as well. Yes. Better dramatic than com- comedic. Yes. We've already established that one. Um, he's <laughs> the only person that I know. No, where no you he... know who's really good? Um, more as a straight man. And just in general, I'm going to say a good actor is Ice Cube. Yes. Not Ice Tea. Uh, Ice, Ice Cube, Cube, though, but is... He's a very charismatic, uh, strong actor. He is. Yeah. Boys in the Hood and Friday. The barbershop movies barbershop. are aren't bad. I like the barbershop movies. No. And it's hard because, you know, comedians like Kevin Hart, Tracy Morgan get kind of pigeonholed into these roles that require them to almost be doing stand-up comedic relief within a movie, which in this movie didn't play particularly well and rarely does. Although I would say um, before his meltdown... Um, Tracy Morgan was quite good in 30 Rock. Yes. 30 Rock is a sitcom and it's it's a very different pace than a movie though, I think. I think that comedy is like at its strongest of late in television. Right now, some of the best dramas and horror movies are being put out by studios like A24, uh, Focus Features, things like that. And Comedy, though, it's just like there is a drought in comedy in film right now. I mean, even in stand-up from the black side, I don't know. Like, because I've well, been... Well, Chappelle's destroying. Chappelle, but I mean, Chappelle's an island unto himself. There's a... What's his name? Jamar Neighbors and Gerard Carmichael. Um, there's a lot of good, strong black comics. Mm, I stand corrected. You're right. I don't know. But the, maybe because I'm thinking about my, my mind is being weighed down by... This movie, I <laughs> look, I mean, the one thing that Eddie Murphy was amazing at doing was taking a black actor and placing him in a role where it was funny, but it didn't need comedic relief. He does that well in Boomerang. He does that well in Trading Places. He does that well in Coming to America. Movies like Trading Places and Coming to America, like that meter and pace, they barely exist. Like, or the original Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Like there's a timing and a lived in feel of those movies that nowadays a movie like that attempts to do that always fails and misses entirely what made it successful. Like, you know, as I said, the costuming was so beautiful in this movie. Like the attention to detail, it's like, yeah, it's great, but it didn't add anything to the comedy. It almost took away. It made it feel... Like the whole thing was a performance and not a narrative to get lost in or like, I mean, that's not what a comedy is necessarily for, but there was no tension to create some funny moments back and forth, some argumentative like pacing. There was no dynamic. It was just people reading lines to get- Collecting a check. Collecting a check, yeah. Um, That's exactly what it was. I am curious though- 
How do you think it could have been better? Where do you think there were missed opportunities in the movie? Had you do the initial screening and you could have gone back and redone some of the script? Um, it was so patronizing. And like, just worry about being funny while remaining aware of the time you're doing it in. Just because like you've checked off a box on like the PC checklist mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's sincere. And every attempt at like being quote unquote relevant with like the, the lift joke didn't land at all and commenting on how misogynistic the patriarchy is felt disingenuous. Like just be and be relevant and be mindful. And then after that, just worry about being funny. I think they spend way too much time in Zamunda. Zamunda's mm -hmm. not fucking funny. It, it, it was it, like Zamunda in the first one, it was meant to be like an expression of black excellence. Mm -hmm. uh, like that was another bullshit move. Like why would uh, Jermaine Fowler's character be like, hey, let's go back to uh, institutionalized racism to escape this patriarchy. And I'm a male saying this because that happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, who the fuck in the right mind is going to do that? Like, meanwhile, he would have the authority probably to dismantle the patriarchy pretty easily as a fucking prince and a man of influence. So I think more time in America would have been funny. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe calling this movie, you know, coming to Zamunda would have, would have been, been more accurate. <laughs> yeah, and less confusing of a title. In the original movie, they spent most of their time in Queens, right? Uh, yeah, but the other thing is, is like, focus on the comedy and get rid of all of this bullshit. And Eddie Murphy's so good at riffing, and he could free associate as strong as like a Robin Williams could, and it, it lands really well. Apparently, like he still has it. You know, people mm -hmm. have talked about seeing him do stand up before the pandemic struck, and how it it feels like he never left the stage. I was kind of hoping to see some of that dynamic in this movie, and there's just none of it. He's, it's like Eddie Murphy's, he's barely present, even in his characters. All his other like, not just Akeem, he's like barely present in this movie. Yeah, it was missing John Landis. He directed the first Coming to America. Yeah. There was some kind of falling out between him and Eddie Murphy that I heard about. But John Landis would have been, probably should have been at least consulted on the script, you know, to make it a little bit more consistent. The script wasn't tight. The movie had no place to go. So it relied on tropes and cameos. One of the most trifling things that it possibly could do was play on the what happens when you take a black ghetto kid and drop him in Zamunda. Like, that was so easy. And like you said throughout the movie, we watched together. Like you said, was there any surprise that the daughter wouldn't end up queen and he would end up marrying someone else, probably the hairdresser? Like, we all knew that was coming. The whole movie felt like an ending. Like, as soon as it started, the movie already felt over. And I'm not saying that because I didn't like it and I wasn't going to like it. Like, I'm talking about in terms of narrative drive and plot mechanic it just felt like pageantry the entire time mm -hmm. it was boring it felt like watching an hour and 45 minutes of credits and cameos mm. yeah i mean i don't know maybe that's what people wanted 
do you know anyone that said good things about this movie? I don't know anyone that said good things about it. I think it's been largely a disappointment. Like on the white side of things, right? Anchorman is up there for one of my favorite comedies. Movie makes me laugh all the time. Mm-hmm. Anchorman 2, which has like maybe double the cameo, is like two and a half hours long, has all the same players alongside others. I didn't laugh once. It's so unfunny. It It's surprising. It's impressively bad. And this movie, for very different reasons, uh, I honestly, like, I didn't expect it to be this bad. I mean, uh, sometimes there really just isn't anything else to say. I, I think about Eddie Murphy and the potential that the movie could have had. He could have written a tighter script. I was thinking, instead of making the son useless make him have some kind of skill in America that Zumunda needs instead of playing off these African-American male stereotypes of false hyper-masculinity that pigeonholes a lot of black men. Of course, he's going to say the slick thing to the white interviewee. And that's almost what the white interviewee expects that he couldn't control himself. He had to throw off his tie and talk about his ox, the guy's uh, drug problem. Do you know what I mean? Of course that was going to happen. Like that's a trope. It's a stereotype. You're playing off stereotypes. I'd think that if you have this stage, you have the opportunity to really create something important. You know, instead of playing off the stereotypes, the guy could have been a college graduate who made it or did something important. Or he could have just been a guy who was a mechanic who had a family and had to, should he come back to save Zamunda or should he come and stay in America with his current family? There are a whole bunch of things he could have done and they didn't do it. Well, yeah, it's just like, it's it's just, it was unnecessary. That's probably what I would have said. This just shouldn't be put out. Yeah. (laughs) Like like coming to America be. Yeah. I mean, and you can edit this out. Leslie Jones is just not funny. And there's this genre of black female comedy that Tiffany Haddish, Leslie Jones, where they just can't be funny within themselves. It has to be this over-sexualized, provocative... Yeah, but what if that's them? Yeah, it's just not funny. I like Tiffany Haddish. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. Like, what could I say to make people squirm, you know, as opposed to clever joke writing? Well, the thing is, though, is I think that both Leslie Jones and Tiffany Haddish, if given the right script, would fucking kill it. Because they have a presence and an energy and a timing that is very funny. I don't enjoy Kevin Hart's stand-up, but I do think Kevin Hart has good film presence. Like, when if he's given a good script, he could deliver if it was the right part. And timing and charisma are not to be taken for granted. Um, I don't know. Like, I think Karen and Kevin Hart... I don't know if there's a movie that Kevin Hart has that I'm particularly fond of. Um... My point is, though, is that there's something to be said about timing. Not every single comedian is going to be the intellectual that Dave Chappelle is. So, you know, you've got to take into account those things. It's just I think it's a different brand of comedy. Like if Leslie Jones or Tiffany Haddish were cast in like if they were in 48 hours back in the day, like if you could like put them in a time machine, like they would do really well in one of those roles. I just, like, it's it's weird. I don't think that, it's just comedy is really suffering right now. Bridesmaids was an exception. That was really funny. 
Mm. Comedy, at least in my opinion, and I could be totally wrong on this, is just in a darker place. You know, like... Y- well, y- no, it is. I, I don't think you're wrong about this at all. I think, like, Super Bad was a very successful movie, and that movie has so much cursing. And, like, Super Bad was such a huge hit. It kind of perpetuated this very dark, loose, desensitized brand of comedy. That led to stuff like The Hangover, you know. Yeah. It was that kind of really dark, let it rip, anything goes. I can't stand Todd Phillips, though. But yeah. (laughs) You know, anything goes type of thing. So I don't know where Eddie Murphy goes from here. I don't know. I mean, hopefully. Did you see... I would like to cover this movie. I actually haven't seen it yet. But did you see Dolomite? I haven't, but I heard only great things about it. Well, and it's written by the people who did Ed Wood and Man on the Moon and the People vs. O.J. Simpson. I forget mm. their actual names right now, but they're some of the best writers for like a biopic that's mm. accurate and true to form and very palpable. So I'm very excited to see that movie. Uh, it's it's a, I've heard nothing but good things, which is I, I honestly like... I mean, I was trying to keep my expectations low, but I had a little hope for this movie. Yeah. But, you know, say la vie. Yeah, and the movie I thought would bring back a little nostalgia because it was our first, it was a review of the sequel of our first podcast, but it kind of fell flat. I, I also think part of coming to America's acclaim and success has as much to do with its context and timing as it does to its solid script. I wouldn't call the movie great. It's solid. Mm -hmm. But it's very rare at that time to see a black lead have that amount of prominence across many different communities. And now, thankfully, that's something that's, I guess, taken for granted, which in a weird way is a sign of progress. Hopefully the actors keep working again. Except all these people have worked before. Like Jermaine Fowler was really good in Sorry to Bother You. That's true. It's not that these people can't act. They were just given nothing to work with. Yeah, and they just wanted to be a part of this thing. Well, who wouldn't? Apparently everybody did. So, Actually, no. Well, you already said, what was his name? John Landis, but Samuel L. Jackson wasn't in this movie. And I heard that Eddie Murphy wouldn't cast Michael B. Jordan, who wanted to be in the movie. I don't know why. But uh, no, I think Sam Hill, that motherfucker will show up in anything. Any movie, I think. He's always a treat, but, you know, I think he's like, I'm I'm going to sit this one out. Paul Mooney said this about Samuel L. Jackson. He said, that nigga's on everything. I got to check my wallet to make sure he ain't on my license. Paul Mooney, man. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson probably took a hard pass. Wise choice. Wise choice. Very wise choice. It uh, It was an effort. I wanted desperately to have a good movie. And when we read the cast, like we knew Wesley Snipes was going to be in it, Tracy Morgan. Wesley Snipes wasn't the worst. No, he he wasn't obnoxious. He wasn't what ruined the film. I just think the script is what ruined the film. The plot holes that didn't make sense. You mean you, you're a king of Zamunda and you don't have an army to defend against guys who don't even have guns? Yeah, it's I just it's sad to me that comedies in film don't know how to play 
fast and loose like they used to. Like a Steve Martin film, Mel Brooks. That's on the white side. Black side, though, Robert Townsend. Hollywood Shuffle. Even Friday. Friday. Like, I fucking... I think Friday is black people's dazed and confused. Mm. Because it's just like Chris Tucker and uh, Ice Cube just shooting the shit all day. Yeah, getting high and, you know, talking crap about people in the neighborhood. And it's so... God, it's charming. That 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 fucking movie is wonderful. Yeah, I don't know if a movie like Friday is made in cancel culture. Uh, you fr- had you had um Straight Outta Compton. I know it's not Friday, but it got away with a lot of stuff. That- yeah, but Straight Outta Compton was a biopic, so it was supposed. To, it's a little different. Is this drought and comedy? You think due to recent puritanical tendencies of the left? Do you think that's what? The, I don't think that's what it is. I do. Honestly, I just think that, and I, I don't, I don't really have a whole bunch of basis on. People can't say what they want anymore. Part of the whole Friday riff was Chris Tucker making fun of the girl who was uh, it was supposed to be a date for him, and that the person said she, um, she looked like Janet Jackson, and when she showed up, she was overweight, and, and Chris Tucker was like Janet Jackson, more like Freddie Jackson. <laughs> Jokes that you couldn't make anymore. Because some community is going to be offended and on Twitter. Except if you pivot and look at the strong, solid comedic television that exists, there's tons. I mean, Curb, Your Enthusiasm as Invention, Silicon Valley on HBO is like, was one of the funniest things of recent that I've seen. And Mm -hmm. those, they're really dark and crass and... It's obviously going to change. Movies are reflective of the time they're set in, but like, I don't think it's that. I, I'm just maybe now that I'm thinking about, it, like, I wonder if it's just that that vehicle of an episodic show has been found to be more conducive. I mean, curb your enthusiasm. I haven't checked out any of the new stuff. Season uh, ten was fantastic. Um, I know he re, he kind of rebooted it, right? He yeah, he picked it up for first time in a while. Yeah, so. I haven't seen enough of the new stuff really to say whether or not any of that would fall under cancel culture. Oh, well, he addresses a lot of that stuff directly head on. Um, let me go back to coming to America. When I saw John Legend at the end. On the credits? On the credits singing My Queen to Be. And I was thinking the classic virtual signaler. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like never take a risk. If you want an artist that's not going to offend anyone. John Legend. Like everybody's yeah. going to kind of like, and he's not going to offend you know, anyone. He's, he's uh, somehow Milk found toast. his way to vanilla. Um, and that's what this movie was doing. It was, it was a, you know, if you want a movie, it's not really funny and it's best years were behind it. You're not really going to laugh, but it's safe to watch with the kids. It's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got anything else? I don't know what else to say. Again, you can drop us a line at bossandnj at racetraderpodcast.com. Check the spelling in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks. They've got Egg McMuffins. We've got Egg McStuffins. Stay curious. Love you, Tayo. Love you, Tayo.